This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, we are just weeks away until the writ drops and the Trudeau liberals have set their tone to the campaign because they're going to go high. Of course, not after until after they go low, throwing all the uh, possible fear tactics against Andrew Scheer. And this is great because if they can just keep us distracted by the threat of all the evil dastardly conservatives threatening our existence, well, then we will not be talking about the, I think, somewhat tarnished record of the Trudeau liberals. But luckily for us, we have Mr. Black who will remind us and who does remind us in his latest National Post piece that uh, there are very real scandals we must not forget. And he joins us now. Mr. Conrad Black, good to have you, sir. Thank you, Alex. Glad to be with you. You're a little more generous than I am probably when it comes to our prime minister, but uh, I think time has served Mr. Trudeau well, given that uh, we are now distanced enough away from the SNC situation that he's been able to kind of recover. Uh, but there are things that the electorate should be reminded of, and I think you're, uh, you aptly point out what happened to Mark Norman, Vice Admiral Mark Norman. Uh, indeed. Uh, I am really... Uh, how should I put this? I, I, as you may know, or many of your listeners may, I was not so alarmed about the SNC Liveline matter because mm-hmm. it was as far as serious allegations as opposed to rumor uh, were concerned. It, it, it occurred in a in a distant country in a underdeveloped economic and legal condition, and uh, it was a cost of doing business. If, as I've said many times, if there were any. Um, if there are any record that Canadians working for SNC-Lavalin themselves received bribes or filed fraudulent tax returns in this country, that would be another matter. But how we do business in other countries uh, depends essentially on the commercial mores of that country, and I don't think we're we're missionaries to clean that up. Uh, we shouldn't aggravate it, but we don't we don't have to transport Canadian ethics to, in this case, Libya. The Mark Norman affair. I think should affect and and really seriously disquiet everybody in this country. Mm-hmm. Here was a man who served 33 years, absolutely unblemished career, starting as a mechanic in the Canadian Navy and rising to be the commander of the Canadian Navy, and the vice chief of the defense staff of this country, uh, absolutely not a mark on his career, nothing but promotions and commendations. Uh, as I say, worked his whole working life uh, on the modest income those people get and in the relatively modest lifestyle I live in. Uh, and because he had a policy difference with the regime about uh, how to replace the maintenance vessels that that, that simply failed on the job from overage and are all that enables the Navy to operate outside coastal waters instead of simply putting through what the government wanted to do and saying, sorry, Admiral, this is what we're going to do, or if it was sufficiently aggravated, uh, removing him honorably from his position. Uh, they prosecuted him, and it is, and they not only prosecuted him, they had no evidence as eventually came to light, and they denied him the program that federal government employees are supposed to have access to and generally do uh, enjoy of being able to charge their legal costs to a government account, and they have to pay the costs back if they lose, but if they don't, it's free to them as a as a uh, recognition of the fact that they're working for national service at modest pay. Mm-hmm. So they withheld this from Mark Norm to try and starve him into submission, and then a number of us uh, worked together to help him pay his 
uh, his legal invoices from the very talented barrister Marie Hinnon. And, and when it came to it, the government effectively acknowledged they had no case and the whole business collapsed. Now, if they can do that to an unoffending admiral, a man of absolutely distinguished and uncontroversial service to the country, uh, who was throughout his 33 years in the Navy prepared to go to combat for this country if need arose, if they can do it to him with no evidence, what does this tell us about the vulnerability of every person in this country to that kind of oppression if we don't do anything about yeah. it? Yeah, there are many things about the Vice Admiral Mark Norman that are tragic. And, you know, had it not been for Murray Heenan um, and, and big people kind of backing Mr. Norman, um, I think he would probably have gone to jail for, for this because you're up against the government. It's a Goliath, uh, you know, David versus Goliath fight. But the problem is Canadians will never know the whole story. Um, You know, as much of us who know the details of it, including yourself, we will never know the true story of what this government did to Mr. Norman because they silenced it with yet another payout and it all goes away. And, uh, well, I'm... I have no idea what the payout was. I hope for for Mark's case it was uh, a large one. He certainly deserved it after the uh, outrageous uh, behavior uh, of his employers and the abuse of their position. Um, But it also puts him somewhat sort of reflexively in the minds of people who don't look into it at all in in the category of, uh, you know, Mr. Cadder, who came back Mm -hmm. with a big payoff for... Uh, you know, despite having, in effect, been an active terrorist who did kill or was partly responsible for killing some people in a terrorist act. And, and uh, he doesn't belong in that category. He, he belongs as, uh, as a honored and retired high military official. And I, I think, in fairness, this is a, a subject where I think the media was pretty skeptical of the government all along. Sure. In general, they fall in behind prosecutors. But in this case, there was, there was always uh, some sluggishness. Christy Blatchford wrote about it. I wrote about it. A number of people did. And, and, um, and there was a great deal of skepticism right from the start about the government's case. But, but you're right. It's a terrible oppression. And you can quantify these things in financial damages up to a point. But, uh, but my question is, because he is the man he is, and people got behind him, as you said, and we put it out in the public and were able to help him pay a distinguished barrister to defend himself, that happened with him, the vice chief of the defense staff. Yeah. But, the, but the other 20 million adults in this country uh, will not have, most of them, the means to do it or the access to that kind of support, but maybe just as innocent. Right. And when you've got a government that looks to be weaponizing the justice system for their own gain or to protect their own interests, uh, you know, that is what I think the takeaway should be for those heading to the polls. Any so, politicization yeah. of the justice yeah. system is an evil thing. We, we, I mean, I don't want to get into real uh, hot third rail controversy here, but that is the real problem in this recent controversy in the United States. I mean, elements, whatever anyone thinks of this president, elements uh, of the national intelligence and senior justice department apparatus uh, effectively colluded to try and prevent this president's election or and undo his election after he was elected. That's where the controversy is. And that's why we've had to put up with this nonsense of Russian collusion for two years as a stall against getting to grips with that. But the Americans will sort it out. But I'm not so sure we will.
No, unfortunately, we won't because, you know, the story just kind of went away. And I think the average person, you know, being distracted with everyday life, the issue with Norman was so complex that if you didn't understand the system and what was happening, it was easy to kind of tune it out, especially when the basketball playoffs were going. But uh, (laughs) I'm sure you're right, Alex. But uh, well, I give the media real credit, generous credit for for being skeptical about the government's case, I give them a, a, a large F for not drawing the right conclusion from this and warning the country, in effect, that this could happen to, to a senior admiral. Yeah. To whom could it not happen? Well, I mean, that... That's what we need is greater protection against the abuse of the, the, the ability to prosecute. 100%. Yeah, the rule of law has to be, at all times, um, protected. Uh, whether you're a, a liberal, conservative, I don't care who the government in charge is, do not and, play. And above yeah. all, protected from dishonest prosecutors. Absolutely. Or worse, incompetent, uh, willing to go along with it. I just quickly want to ask you about this, because you've got a different relationship on this issue than most people who are just hysterical about it. But Donald Trump, um, you know, you brought him up just a couple of minutes ago, but, you know, he went to El Paso, Texas. He went to Dayton, Ohio. We don't really talk about Dayton, Ohio, for some reason. Maybe it's not the right narrative. But he, of course, was met with um, great protest. Because, yeah, a lot of supporters, too. Though. Yeah. Um, he does struggle to find the right tone. He does seem a little clumsy. I'm going to play you a little bit of audio of where sometimes, you know, he just can't help himself. I was here three months ago. We made a speech, and we had a state. What was the name of the arena? That place was packed, right? I was from Rome. Right? The judges have respected you. I was from Rome. What was the name? I was from Rome. Oh, oh, good. Come here, Mike. That was some crowd. Thank you for And we had twice the number outside. And then you had this crazy Beto. Beto had like 400 people in a parking lot. They said his crowd was one. So he was there visiting patients. Some of them had been uh, shot and recovering and the frontline workers. And, you know, I think he's a bit awkward and you would certainly know that better than most. Um, you know, he takes a lot of flack. Everyone's blaming him for breaking America, which I'd suggest, no, America's been broken for a lot longer than when Mr. Trump arrived. Well, it isn't really broken. It just functions in, in this very contestatious way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it isn't really broken. I mean, look how successful a country it is. It's full employment, a $22 trillion economy, and a, a greater military power than all other countries in the world combined. I mean, it's not broken. It works, but it works in the way it works, which which is a jungle. You'll get this tremendous competitiveness and high achievement in almost every field, but you get millions of people ground to powder needlessly and unfairly, as happens in jungles. And like all jungles, it's run by the 30-foot constricting snakes and the 700-pound cats. And, and, and that's what Trump is. But in that particular case, O'Rourke, the former congressman and defeated senatorial candidate uh, from last year, narrowly defeated, um, called him a Nazi. I mean, he called the president a Nazi and said that, uh, that, he was, that he was a racist, that he was a white supremacist, that he disliked non-whites and so forth. I mean, this is all outrageous. It's, it's a defamatory, and it is false. And I don't, I don't think that particular excerpt was, 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 was uh, bad, but I, I agree sometimes Trump speaks awkwardly and and should consider his words more carefully there's no doubt about that but uh, but the fact is um, he has done more for the minorities than any president since Lyndon Johnson he I mean he's they are all working and they all have rising disposable incomes and and uh, he has never had the slightest trace 
of a record of uh, discriminatory practices in the in the private sector, which he was in uh, for many years, very successfully, made billions of dollars, uh, or uh, or as president. Well, don't tell that to the masses because they just don't well, like that. Well, you know, I think the yeah. masses yeah. support the president. I mean. Uh, uh, all indications are that because people don't want the argument, they they understate their their uh, opinion of yeah. Trump when they're polled. But even at that, he's polling at about just almost fifty percent, and that's enough to win. I mean, that, the the way the votes are distributed in that country, he if they had an election now, he'd lose New York City, Washington D.C., and the state of California and Massachusetts by big margins. But he'd take almost everything else. That's right, because the Democrats, who, so for whatever reason, and I've got to let you go on that note, but they just cannot get they cannot well, get their proverbial crap together. Look, look, they're atomizing the yeah. country and pandering to aggrieved groups, and they're, they're a bunch of kooks and losers. They're they're going to get absolutely bombed if they don't pull themselves together. That we agree on, sir. Uh, a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. My, my pleasure, Alex. Thank you. That is our weekly chat with Conrad Black. Always uh, nice to hear a different view outside of the general talking points we hear. I don't think CNN would want him on their show. It would ruin everything, eh? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah! I'm on a cruise ship! Ah! There was an explosion! Oh my God, the ship is sinking! I can't get out! Lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.